Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Love of Life podcast. Tonight, we are talking with the director and the writer of The Healing Garden and the upcoming show on Lore TV called Breaking Laws. And that's coming up next. This is the Love of Life podcast. Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. All right. And we're back. Well, Joseph Granda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to chat with us tonight. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, thanks for having me. I actually feel like I'm actually in your living room because I think you're actually in your living room. Is that right? We are. That's, that's right. This is our living room. That's very good. Did I mess up the name already? You did. I did. Ah, I was practicing it. It's Granda. It's grand. I always, when people say, I know it's grand with an A at the end. Granda. It's, you listen. <laughs> I'm thinking Starbucks sometimes, you know, it's Grande, like, yes, Grande. Is, means 20. So, if I botch your last name again, that's the reason why. That's okay. That's Grando. We have Joseph Grando with us, and we're the least super excited to have you. Right. Very good. So I thought, so you have a very interesting background, and I wanted to see if you could tell us about growing up, where you're from, more of that, and then we'll ask questions along the way. Yeah, um, I was born in uh, Northern California in San Jose, which is, uh, was when I was a kid, it was Cherry Orchards um now it's the silicon valley um my parents were in a cult called uh, jehovah witnesses <laughs> so uh they no longer show up at my door anymore because i start explaining to them the differences and and where the a lot of them don't even know where the origins of their religion came from it's basically a drunk guy from brooklyn but um <laughs> um yeah so i come from a broken home my parents got divorced when i was 10 my father left i never saw him again until you know i get a phone call at 25 that he'd been found dead um so uh that's what led me into theater um (laughs) well and yeah i went to college briefly and it wasn't for me i moved to new york to uh i i felt i found that i had i i started originally as a fine artist and i still i paint and stuff and but uh, the angst of a young man, uh, of which I am no longer, um, clearly, um, you know, you when you have a come from a broken home and it, it's funny because I also just wrote and directed and start and played the lead. And not that I'm bragging, it's just a fact in, in a in a feature film that just wrapped oh, about a week ago called The Sesquologist. I'll tell you about that later. Um. So, yeah, so I went to New York. I got accepted into a, a an acting school, and um, that's where I discovered why I became an actor. Um, because when the teacher was going around the room and, why, why do you want to be an actor? And uh, and uh, people would say, oh, because I really, I feel, feel like I have something to give to the world. And and he'd go, wrong. <laughs> you. And they'd say, well, I just, I have, a, I have an artistic expression that I need to give out. And he goes, wrong you <laughs> he comes to me and he goes why do you want to be an actor and i go because i hate my parents exactly <laughs> that's it wow and he basically said uh uh you know people that don't that don't look back listen i don't i don't stare at my i don't i do look back on my past so i know where i come from but i never stare at it because it's not who i am today for a lot of reasons um, not the least of which is Christ. Um, so that's sort of where it, where it all started. I mean, I got a, 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 
I got a PhD in 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 waitering and bartending while pursuing an acting career. Um, I I have been on Broadway. I've been off Broadway. I I got a break in a, a movie in the early '90s called Amongst Friends that I I I guess I starred in with two other guys and um, that won a bunch of awards and it sent me off to. I moved to Los Angeles, not a place I don't recommend. It's the only place in the world where someone can break your heart and then you're forced to drive past a billboard with their face on it for the next three months. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very weird place. Um, so, you know, and, and in the midst of that, um, uh, I got sober. Um, I got sober uh, 29 years ago. Wow. Um, in fact, the first, eight, well, I, I was working as an actor and um, my uh, my agent called me in one day and she said, so there's this job offer for you, but the producer wanted to know how you're doing. I'm like, I'm great. Why? <laughs> you know, I, I was sort of the guy you always wanted to have at your party. You just weren't sure if you wanted me in the house. You know, I wasn't I wasn't mean, but I might be swinging from the chandelier. Um <laughs> Not that I've ever seen a chandelier in anyone's home or <laughs> um and so I went I went to my first AA meeting in this place in Hollywood called the Log Cabin. And um uh, I'm a I am an incredibly um punctual person. And so I showed up early and I get there and there's an, a guy mopping the floor and I, I walk around and I look at it and it's Sir Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> And who's been sober for probably almost 50 years at this, at this point today. And I look at him and I go, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm mopping the floor. This is my uh, commitment to this room. It keeps me sober. I go, this is my first meeting. And he goes, well, welcome, have some coffee. And he said, and I said, oh, I don't drink coffee. And he goes, oh, you will. (laughs) I've been drinking drinking coffee ever since. So um, uh, that was probably um the first smart thing i did uh i i guess for myself my father died of cirrhosis i've since lost a brother to drugs and alcohol um so uh, that really really sort of gave me clarity living in this in this world of of hollywood which is not then as as um nefarious as it is today Mm -hmm. i mean it it still had its own but it's just so in your face now they're not trying to hide anything with whether it be satanism or these constant movies about murder and kidnapping children and i was gonna ask just briefly about hollywood specifically if we can just pause on that kind of and just a little bit would you say hollywood is overall as a as a whole as an entity satanic in nature do you think everything coming out partially? Do you think there's just secret groups within Hollywood? Uh, just from you know your insider baseball knowledge, what what would you say is well, I don't going on because there, there's so much tweeted about out in the right. in the Twitter sphere that you know if you start reading some things, you just go wow, like it really is just Sodom and Gomorrah completely. It's you know demonic in nature, but at the same time, having not lived there, have never gone, have never. Go, I've never gone there, uh, and the many people who listen probably haven't ever been there themselves. Are the rumors, or do you think there's truth to them, or what is well, your? I th- well, I, I can only well from experience. I'll tell you this: um, 
I, I have been to a seance mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, and I, I have seen channelers and mediums and th- who I've never met who told me things about myself that, you know, at the time I was a secular person. So I just thought that they would have this magical sort of thing. Um, I, 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 there are certainly levels of pure satanic worship in that town, but I think what, 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 what I, what my opinion of it is is that people always think about demonic possession as like head spinning googly eyes speaking in tongue stuff and i don't think that's what it is i think demonic possession is a soft uh, massaging and pushing of culture and i think that's what's going on there i don't think it's you know, you know i had a friend who was working on a on a on a movie and he was talking about the storyboards and the demons and what the demons look like and i was like where do you think that comes from he's like well the artist they imagine it's like no that's put in your mind so that it looks scary and evil because one of the things that christians don't like talking about a lot um which i'm fascinated by especially in the old testament is the the nephilim and the and the watchers and the and the magic that was going on and all those things um <clears throat> because because it, demons are fallen angels so you know here's my point when you what i tell people if you want to watch the greatest lineup of demons just watch the oscars <laughs> they're the most beautiful people you know they have this nefarious underbelly that they're not aware of they really think they're saving the world in many ways right you know which they're really bringing it to this this slow um destruction so to answer your question um there are certainly uh cults and demonic worship there's a woman named um uh, miriam abramovich she's a a performance artist who Mm -hmm. holds these parties for politicians and you know i mean so yeah i mean i think it's i think that's how that's how um the dark forces work in culture right you know Right. I mean, I've heard things, you know, there's there's the uh, there's the adrenochrome type of stuff, apparently, where they're getting this adrenaline from children that they're torturing. And it's you know, there's demonic stuff wrapped around this, apparently. But this is stuff that I've never actually physically seen. I just I continue to read about on Twitter and other social media sites that I go maybe this is going on in Hollywood and this is how all the beautiful people stay beautiful, or maybe it is just overpriced plastic surgery. I don't know, you know, but. Well, I th- the truth all often lies in the middle, but you have to, to take, you have to take that. If the foundation of their ideology is child sacrifice, what's the difference if they're sacrificing them at three months or three years, eight months or eight years or or, or 10 years, like they're today wanting to have children cut themselves up because they're going through puberty and they're, 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 well, you know, you have five kids. I mean, I assume some of them have gone through puberty at this point. They're almost there. They're yeah. Almost, so, yeah. well, then yeah. I will pray for you. I only Thank have you. one. Thank you. So, <laughs> so it's a crazy time. I, mean, I remember my parts of my life going through puberty and thinking all kinds of weird stuff about the world and who I was or wasn't. So sure. Yeah, it, that's demonic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Hollywood definitely has, from even yeah. what you saw, some, I you... have a. There's amazing people in Hollywood too that are kind and loving, and a, a lot. I tell you what, a lot of those there are a lot of very genuine, creative, kind, loving, giving people in Hollywood 
that believe because of that personality and behavior, they think they're going to heaven. Mm, yeah. Just because of that. Yeah, sure. That if there's a loving God, well, of course <laughs> I've done right. good things. Right. You know, and it just doesn't work that way. They don't like hearing that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So we were at Hollywood. You were in Hollywood. That's where kind of your story was. And I paused you there, but feel free to continue. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there, you uh, did a couple of movies. Yeah, no, I worked a lot. I worked, um, I produced TV commercials. I wrote a bunch of screenplays. I, you know, if you want to make a living in this business of any sort, which is very difficult, you know, people mm -hmm. think that, oh, you work in the movies, you must have a lot of money. That's just not the case. You know, money doesn't really interest me as long as I can get by and, and sure. do what I think I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, what was the catalyst of interest for you growing up or at a certain point, did you say, Hey, I really like the movies and I really like writing. I'm going to see if I can give this a go and see if I can make a career out of this. Well, I initially was drawn to the arts and acting even more so because I knew that it would, it would enrage my father, frankly. Sure. Um, <laughs> it worked out in many ways. Um, so, I mean, I've always had a, a creative spirit. It's a, it's a, it's a, I wish I didn't at times, I'd probably have a much more lucrative um, stream of, of income. I mean, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm a pauper, but um, it's, it's difficult. You know, I don't think that, you know, when Mozart was a, a when Mozart was writing music, he worked for the government basically. Mm -hmm. Right. And they, you, you know, so he was sort of the first rock and roller because he threw it in their face and said, I'm way too good for you. <laughs> so like I tell my daughter who is, has um, creative um, abilities and that's probably going to lead her someplace. I said, the thing to remember is that um, if you can eke out any kind of living, being a creative person, if that's your calling, that's a win. Mm -hmm. But if you think you're supposed to get rich or listen, I, I don't wish fame on anyone. I've had very close friends that I, that were roommates that I tended bar with that went on to be incredibly rich and famous people. And, um, you know, two of them are dead from drugs and alcohol. And the other one is just unrecognizable as a human to me. I, I, so wow, I don't wish fame on anyone. It's, I think it looks fun and I've been around it. It's just, it's just not fun at all. Yeah. It yeah. suits some people well, but well, tell part... tell your story then about how you were given a role uh, that you turned down that could have led possibly to some other avenue of level of fame, but you turned it down as a matter of conscience because you did because you were uncomfortable with it. Yeah, I uh, I um I got offered a job as a long time ago um, to play a, a campus rapist, you know. <laughs> And I was not a I was not a Christian person, but you know when you when you're in a movie and then it gets put on TV and in the movies and so people see it and then you walk around Los Angeles and then you know for two weeks you're the campus rapist like hey you know um, it just didn't sit right with me and I at that time had also begun um, I had taken precepts in the Buddhist Buddhist um, uh, philosophy it's not it's not a it's not a religion with a god it's a it's a philosophy it's a way of thinking it's a way of being um um and so that's you know one of the things that in that in that uh mode of thought it asks you what are your intentions whenever you're approaching something and i just thought i said to my my agent i said you know i'm not so sure i want to do that 
and without a beat, she says, uh, it would be really good for your career. Cause it was, a, it was probably would have, it was a bunch of other stars and whatnot. And, and, and I often played a bad guy, as you can see. Um, um, and she said, it'd be really good for your career. And I just thought, well, what's my career if, if playing a rapist raping college girls is good for it? Like it was a really kind of an epiphany. And then because I was not a saved person, I said, well, what's it pay? (laughs) (laughs) And, and so I didn't turn it down. Right. But then I thought about it and it just, you know, and I had a, a lovely girlfriend at the time and it just didn't sit right with me. And I turned it down and they dropped me. Um, my agent dropped me. I got another agent. I did another movie. And then it just slowly started to crumble for me that this just wasn't a place where I needed, I should be anymore. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, 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 I got rid of my expensive car and, uh, sold my place and I bought a used Honda and I, and I, I, I moved to here to Colorado where I live now. Um, so at the time I, I was of moving, gonna- at the time of moving from California, from Hollywood, were you in your twenties, your thirties? What kind of age? I were was you? in my, my, I would say I was probably 36, 35, okay. 36, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Um, and I, I, I thought initially about, about um, moving to Alaska, but I was still single. And so I ran the numbers. It's not good up there for a single guy. <laughs> so, Smart move. so, yeah and so as we spoke about earlier i'm a hockey fan and i play i still play hockey um i thought well let's find a place where i could maybe go to a ball game and a hockey game and that's near the mountains and so it's kind of easy to pick the denver metro area yeah um and i love it out here i've found my wife out here um my child was born out here and you know i have i have no complaints wow so when you met your wife, you still didn't know the Lord at the time. You and your wife were not believers when you got married. No, in fact, it's funny because I went fishing with my daughter today and we had that conversation because we drove through um, the town of Boulder, which is um, 32 square miles surrounded by reality. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I said, yeah, you know, your mom and I, we would not we would not do this today, but yet we we lived together before we uh found christ and she's like yeah i know mom told me i'm like well i'm just you know (laughs) mom told me making that note sure um and so so uh yeah yeah so we we got married a friend of ours who was a professor of philosophy at cu married us in a secular wedding and um i owned a a, i owned a a business out here a restaurant a, a restaurant bar thing and my partners were um, I can't even say their name or the place because of the settlement that I, cause I had to sue them. They were stealing uh, anyways. Um, and so, and I had a three, a, 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 a two month old daughter. And so all of a sudden I instantly became this, what they call a stay at home dad. Um, my wife works in technology. Um, and so it was, it was the most difficult and rewarding you know, for the first four years, I just didn't do anything but take care of my daughter. Um, I wrote, I wrote some screenplays. I actually sold the screenplay while I did it. Well, you know, um, but I wasn't sure what to do. But I kept seeing these stickers in our neighborhood here, and it's an orange circle, and it has what, what's what's if you looked out my window called the Flatirons. It's a um, rock formation mountain, 
And so one day I Googled what the hell orange stickers in, in my town of Colorado. And uh, it was, it was the, it was the community church, which is one of the largest churches in Colorado. It's, it's, it is, I kid you not, um, a Walmart and an, and a Safeway combined. That's what they, these two buildings used to be. You know, they have four services on the weekend. They've got smoke machines and they play rock music. And, and, and as a secular person, I understand that entry point into Jesus. Sure. Because I said to my wife, um, I literally said, let's, let's go see what the crazy Christians in our neighborhood are doing, (laughs) you know? And so we went there and um, we purposely showed up late because she was raised Catholic. My parents were Jehovah's Witnesses. And so that's all just kind of creepy stuff to us, you know. Um, And we listened to right outside the door of the auditorium and the band was playing Limelight from Rush. (laughs) And I said to my wife, this is either going to be really cool or they're going to talk about spaceships 20 minutes in and we're out of here. And um, the pastor came out and the pastor there, Jim Burgeon, who was actually a guy who on a dive trip um, about a year and a half later after we got baptized there, remarried my wife and I in Bonaire, which is a, a an island. It's a Dutch province. Um, and so um, I just heard the message in a very simple way in a building that had no crosses, no pictures of Jesus. It was kind of, well, it was, it was hip, you know, it was, it was, uh, had this raw feeling. It was very, it was very male centered. I mean, it's, I, I look back now, it's, it's, it's not an accident. It's not a, it's a, it's a, I hate to say this, but it's a marketing vibe to get people in and we were in and, and we listened. And so for the first eight, nine weeks, um, I spent trying to disprove, uh, everything I was hearing through research, through historical research, through, you, you know, uh, counter ideas and, and I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time I was, I had fallen away from my daily practice as a Buddhist. And, and I, I was a, I was a very, if you would say devout, I, I, uh, you know, I, I lived in a, um, um, a Buddhist monastery for a, a couple months where you don't speak all day long and you have chores and you just meditate. And, and was that easy um, for you to not talk? No, it's the most difficult thing I've ever done. It was more difficult than getting sober because <laughs> Because when you go someplace that you are, you're asked to be silent and there's no external, uh, there's no TV, there's no radio, there's no nothing but sitting with your mind. It's a horrifying play. I, I liken it to what, what hell probably is because yeah i mean in the literal sense because when my daughter asked me about what what is heaven and what is hell and i said listen i don't know what heaven is but it's probably not the way we see it as floaty clouds and you know unicorns (laughs) um 
And she says, why don't you think God lets us know about heaven? I said, well, probably because we would ruin it (laughs) with our interpretation of it here. And and she said, you know, what is hell? And I said, my understanding of hell from a theological perspective, I'm a reformed Christian in a Calvinistic sense. And, um, well, there goes all your listeners. No, Uh, (laughs) No, I see most of the listeners are probably like, I know we're Um, onto the good stuff, but there's a few. I'm sure. No, I don't, I don't sweat any of that. (laughs) that People do that on Facebook. Um, I said, you know, it's, it's, it's heaven is being in the presence of the Lord and hell is being in the, in the absence of, of the Lord. It's in the, the great darkness. So, but that's what it was like. It's like, all you are is stuck in this form with yourself and your own thoughts. And, but after a couple of days, yeah, it's pretty amazing to, to flush out everything that's in your head. Yeah. And I still do meditation. I don't do obviously the Buddhist meditation, but sure. you know, um, Lecto Divino, there's all kinds of different sort of Christian meditation that one can do. Um, yeah. So, so we came to Christ, we got baptized. We, you know, we became involved there. Um, um, it cha- it changed my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, becoming a Christian is, um, it made my life better, but more difficult because of all my time as as a secular person, where there were so many things that I did that I thought, like, what's the big deal? You know, <laughs> whether it's casual use of pornography or, or um, I don't know, I don't drink, so or just my mouth. I still have a salty tongue sometimes. Sure. Um, but you know, hey, the Apostle Paul used the word scubula, and so today, that's translated as the S word. So mm, interesting. I, I do drop yeah. that one. Um, <laughs> that's a fun one to use on occasion. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't. So so we sort of. I, I think a church like that is good for people like me at the time who were very suspect of christianity and needed a sort of a soft landing into it and a kind of a cool but you've got to move on how Um, do you how do you let me ask you this how do you go from jamming with jesus with the fog machines and the marketing schemes and all that kind of world into a reformed understanding calvinistic now that's a pretty big jump and some people don't ever actually i've seen in life make that jump how do you make that? How, how do you reach those particular Christians who may have that? I'll just call it a shallow understanding of right. that form of Christianity. How do you, how do you show them a better way? Um, I, 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 I wrote a screenplay for Douglas Wilson. Okay. That helps. <laughs> you, you know, who that is right. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 So, so um, I w- I was feeling, um, like I wanted a, d- a deeper understanding. I wanted a deep, cause when the pastor there and I'm not besmirching them because people get saved there. That's what, the, but I needed some, when he would bring up a Bible verse and go, but you know, that's kind of weird. So we'll just go past that. And I was like, well, I want to know about the weird. Yeah. You know, um, the other thing about Buddhism briefly is that Buddhism it's, it makes you into like a, f- a, a 15th century Roman eunuch, you know, like, just like it's okay you know i don't you know and like i mean and the whole karma thing and reincarnation is like well apparently the culture says that i'm like the top of the food chain as a white christian male so how much better can i get than this <laughs> if i'm a if i'm a good buddhist but um so so we were kind of feeling that just feeling like stuck and i don't 
I don't think that my faith should be easy. I think it should be continually challenged. Like, oh, you know, it's like it, 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 it. Listen, if a soft landing is all you can handle, that's fine. I'm not. I'm not the moral arbiter of the world that jo- the universe that job is taken. Thank God. <laughs> um. But so so I I we were looking. We kind of like and some things happened. Most especially, we really left when when the 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 BLM stuff and they just p- capitulated to that when in fact I was hoping they would say is all those people out there they just need the gospel the gospel will break down all the barriers between any race or creed or whatever um I just didn't want a soft faith so um I was I I I had started um watching YouTube most especially during the the uh the 2020 the the pandemic i guess is that what are they still calling it a pandemic i call it just the government tyranny but you can yeah. call it a pandemic if you want we used to call it the pandemic babe that's what they that's what we used to call it <laughs> yeah um so um i started watching jeff durbin um he did like an eight-hour course on the doctrines of grace and i was mm-hmm. like oh, i was I, like, like every good calvinist the first time you hear that you're offended like i made this decision I decided to come to Christ and then, you know, um, and so then I started seeing, seeing some talks to Douglas Wilson. And so I read some of his books. I'm like, Oh, the guy writes novels. Mm-hmm. And so I read a novel he wrote. I read a couple of them, but the one that, I, that really moved me was a, a, a novel called ride Sally ride. I don't know if you know the book, but it's, it's basically, yep. it's, it's set here in Denver. Oddly enough. I've read enough. it. You're right. It is in Denver. Yep. That's yeah. Right. And so uh, as as my wife said, are you reading that book again? I'm like, yeah, this book really needs to be a movie. She's like, oh, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to call. I'm going to write this, the author, Doug Wilson. And so I sent him an email and I basically said, um, my name is so-and-so. Um, I have um, an established career as a screenwriter and this and that. And I would love, I think this book should be a movie. And he wrote back, I am at least interested in hearing what you have to say. And so him and, and one of his guys at Canon Press, I, I did a whole PowerPoint presentation of a pitch of it, like what it would look like, what it should be like. And then um, and then I went up to Moscow and I spent a couple of days with Doug talking to him and and he's just a big teddy bear. I mean, he really is. I mean, I know he comes across as a, a real culture warrior and he is but he's a, a very gentle nice nice man if you meet him in person he's one of just the kindest individuals that's what struck yeah, me is he's just he's overtly kind yeah yeah, yeah. and it's very genuine you yeah. know um and so uh i went up there and i i did the song and dance for him and his guys and and uh and i you know they i we struck a deal and i I wrote the movie and with intentions of directing it also. And then there was a lot of shifts up there at Canon press. And when, when, when shifts happen, when it come in the sense of, of staffing and leadership, things fall to the wayside. And that's kind of what happened. I I don't think it's, it's dead, but. Okay. um, So to ask you about that, because I did see a trailer a little over a year ago, I believe it came out. I really enjoyed the trailer. It looked great. Um, so it's not, yeah, dead, it's not a dead in the water project. Well, I didn't have anything like... to do with that trailer. Uh, oh, a guy okay. named Darren Dorn did that trailer and that trailer was made specifically f- to promote the book. Okay. Um, 
and it is it's great um so you know that's that's the way the movie business goes you know this movie that i just wrote and directed um i, I spent two years trying to get it made wow you know i mean and what's I, the title I, of that one again so the listeners know the title it's of called movie. the sasquologist <laughs> and what's the gist of this and so what it's about is it's about um this um researcher who's been tracking this one sasquatch through colorado for years and he reluctantly takes a young kid with him to learn the ways of sasquatch (laughs) um but it's not a horror movie what it's really about is about men who grew up without fathers and so what this guy discovers is that he's much like my own story is he's really looking for his father out there and the young kid needs a father and so he relinquishes his looking for this thing anymore to actually sort of be a mentor and father to this young man um through this adventure and this journey of that you know you never actually see the thing um because i think whenever you show the sasquatch in a bigfoot movie just ruins it sure um but um it's a coming of age story really and it has it, it has um I don't like Christian movies that have overt messages. Uh, now that said, my very first film is very, it's very Christ, Christ affirming. It's a happy movie for families to watch. I was hired to write and direct that movie to be what that is. I'm very proud of it. I still get um, emails from people from all over the world thanking me for it. And that film um, is the healing garden for the, those. The healing listening. garden. Yeah. Right. Um and so this has a very underlying message of 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 because the kid has these Christian underpinnings and the and the the older man who I actually play in the movie um, is an atheist. Well, he's a he's a, a professor of evolutionary anthropology, so he's you know. But that's sort of the gist of it. And so that'll be out in twenty in twenty four. Okay. Um, that's in post-production right now. So will that so be then, on the lore streaming service or will that be just everywhere? Well, interesting Amazon. enough is that is that initially you'll only be able to see it at Merkle Media. Okay. And so Merkle Media, I'm the head of film um, development there. And uh, Tony Merkel, who is Merkle Media, is a fellow in Christ. And Tony has has one of the largest paranormal podcast out there it's called the confessionals actually he'd be a good guy to have on your show because his point of view is that okay you've seen these things these things are happening to you what are what do you think they are what do you think they are and then he says here's what i think they are and then he can show them bible verses that talk about the weird Mm -hmm. talk about fallen angels and the nephilim and the giants and the and the apparitions and and so and so I've done three movies with him now uh, uh, that are documentary style going out, looking for these things based on people's experiences. And our, and our whole vibe is that these are demonic entities that are trickster spirits. If you, you read things like Joseph Campbell and, and some of the, even some of the other book, I mean, if you read, I know it's not in the Canon, but if you read um, the book of Enoch, yeah. it's just filled with, Everywhere giants and angels romping around and you know so yeah 
you know, there, I was a big fan of the of the late great Dr. Michael Heiser. I don't know if you know who he was, but sure. yeah, his his book, The Unseen Realm, is just amazing. So yeah. that that's how I came to the Reformed faith. So uh, the second time I went went up there uh, to Moscow, I had told Doug, I said, so we're really looking for change in churches and and we've gone to a couple but nothing's really clicked yet and he goes oh you got to go see our brothers down in denver and because i'm a sinner my first thought was like oh that's like a 25 minute drive <laughs> um but yeah we go to uh trinity church uh denver uh okay. our pastor's brian brown and it's a reformed and it's a you know it's we're very very grateful yeah they don't play any rock music and i'm okay with that they don't I'm play kind of any rock jazz. music more that's... of a jazz guy yeah yeah jazz yeah. Is, jazz is good um Talk to us a little bit about the craft of directing. Uh, who do you glean from or take from, from as far as movies are concerned? Are there certain directors that you feel like you either imitate yourself or that you just really like their stuff? Yeah, you know, I don't really imitate, but I, you know, um, a, a director that I really like uh, that I've met a couple of times because his daughter was my roommate is Dave, the director, David Lynch. Mm. Um who just does really weird, weird movies. Um, I really like the style of the Coen brothers, which is sort of what this movie that I just did is in the spirit of. Sure. Um, I like a lot of foreign films. I don't think, I mean, I know this, this just sounds like a 57 year old guy saying this, but I, I just, they don't make movies like they used to. No, they um, don't. <laughs> they don't make people like they used to. Um <laughs> So I like a lot of, you know, like I've been taking my daughter through uh, films that I enjoyed in the 80s, you know, like Goonies and, and you know, um, Jaws. I mean, that was 1975, but sure. that are really grounded in stories and not, you know, I don't know if people know this, but 90% of those superhero movies that you watch are all done on a gigantic green stage in Hollywood. I think Oftentimes we have they, Superman fatigue. I, mean, I think we have superhero fatigue at at least at some point it's got to come because for the last 10, 15 years, it's been nothing but the blockbusters essentially being these superhero movies that are all just made on green screen, same effects, same, same motifs, same plots regurgitated over and over and over again. Some of them can be fun, but yeah. uh, you know, that's, that, that that's all we're getting out of Hollywood as far as the big stuff is concerned. Well, and the other thing too, is that, you know, uh, what people that aren't Christian don't understand is that they live in a completely constructed Christian world, whether it's the date yeah. today's date, what does that come from? Um, right. But all of these movies could not have happened without the story of Christ, the good overcoming evil. Oftentimes you see these superheroes. What do they do? They die yeah. and they come back to life. They're resurrected by something outside of themselves that ultimately becomes part of themselves I mean, yeah. Tony Stark is a great example of that. His is technology, you know, and he became one with technology and, you know, the Trinity and, and that kind of stuff. But sure. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a depraved sort of like, I mean, I could be making a whole bunch of money making horror movies. I really could. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and I've turned down some writing assignments. Is there, a way, could, is there a way you could spin it a little bit? Could you make a horror movie? Uh, and 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 not do it in the vein of you know a naked girl in every other scene or whatever. Could you do it in such a way that I haven't seen this new nefarious movie, but apparently it's a horror movie from a more or less Christian world or Christian perspective. But is that something you've thought about doing? 
maybe because um, there's quite a bit of horror in the Bible. In fact, even the Proverbs yeah. talks about, you know, the adulteress, you go down into her house and Proverbs begins to describe this adulterous house. Like it's a haunted house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I probably could, you know, but to sit down and write a screenplay, you're really sitting alone with yourself for a couple of months every day. I I have an obsessive writing schedule. Yeah. You know, I get up at four and I write till eight. I take my daughter to school and then I review what I did. And, um, I do want to write, I do want to do, um, provocative things and there's some of that in the sasquologist um in regards to faith it's there um i think that if you're a christian and you feel creative you should go out and do whatever it is you're you feel you're called to do i don't recommend following your heart i think that's bad advice mm-hmm. um but cr- your creative calling um is is a good thing yeah i want i i i'm somebody who 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 likes to to poke the bear Mm -hmm. you know i I mean i think that's you know that's something that i learned from doug wilson is that we're called to do we're called to give ridicule and scorn to the opposition and then and then offer them love um which doesn't doesn't go well go over well with them yeah um you know i mean i I was talking to my wife last night because i'm I'm writing something right now that i'm pretty sure people would pick at my home (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if i get it made <laughs> can you tease that at all or or no yeah so i'll tell you basically and just in, it's called love is love okay i know where you're going <laughs> and it's about a distraught man who takes a we work office hostage with demands that he have one last conjugal visit with his deceased wife that the state is holding oh my gosh and the, the the story basically is a guy who gets fired from his job because he won't put the where the the pride pin hmm. lost his wife to the covid vaccine and he's struggling with his faith and he, the, uh, some things happen and he snaps yeah. you know christians snap all the time <laughs> and um so so picture dog day afternoon with a christian vibe of like listen because the point listen i know this is a very unpopular thing to say and so be it but the point is is that those people marching in the street are already having sex with corpses Mm. that being themselves because it's abomination and you're damned to hell for that it's all in romans i mean we just the month of june is romans 1 and romans 13 giving over to their depraved mind um so um, that's kind of what I'm working on now a little bit. I mean, yeah. as it comes to me, I know that sounds very, very, um, however you all take that out there, but with finesse and yeah. humor, yeah, you can realize that this guy isn't, doesn't really want to. But what he's saying is, if you can do that, where does it end? Yeah, Because all of this stuff about trans kid is all about that group of people, society, letting kids consent. Mm-hmm. And what does that consent lead to? Well, if they can cut themselves up and change their sexes, why can't they love a grown man? There you go. Yep. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, I think that provocative nature too, hearkening back to Ride Sally Ride, Douglas Wilson's book, that's what he did with the sex yeah. bots. You know, he 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 tells yeah. this story that's very provocative, but also somehow you he he of course still kept it clean 
But yeah. at the same time, he's still telling a very provocative tale here. And he's making a point about society and about what future society could theoretically look like. Yeah, what that story, Ride Sally Ride, is really about, and it's how I wrote the screenplay, it's a love story. Mm. It's a love story about a healthy, young, masculine Christian man in his early 20s who falls in love with a feminine, strong woman. Mm. You know, he falls in love with his lawyer's daughter. That's Mm. what that story is really about. True. You know, in the midst of insanity of men marrying robots and, you know, um, that was my approach to it. It's a, it's a love story. I mean, you know, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, which all of this, as we initially started to is, has led me in my, in my jovial rebellion to breaking laws over at lure TV. Yep. I was going to get into that. You know, um, I'll just give you examples. You know, you live in, um, Missouri, Missouri, right. And so on the books, they're still in Missouri in 1821 men over 21 were taxed $1 a year which is like a hundred bucks a year now, if not more, if they were still single because they wanted to promote family and mm. they want, they didn't want single men roaming around town, you know, in, in Missouri also still, we're talking about ridiculous laws. Yeah. Is um, it, women um, four or more women are not allowed to live under the same house if they're not related. Cause it's, it's, uh, it's an old brothel rule. <laughs> Um, you cannot, your kids, if it's still illegal, if you had a beer and there was beer still in that bottle or can, and you put it in the garbage, it's illegal for your kid to take the garbage out because there's alcohol in it. But you know, if the secular people in Missouri, I'm sure if the kids want to change their sex, they just hop them up on drugs right away. But so the, the the thesis of the of the show breaking laws is I'm going to travel around the country breaking these most ridiculous laws yeah to see if I can get arrested which odds are I, I probably can't you know um, but I want to take something take these silly laws and open up conversations with lawmakers and law enforcement um, about you know if we made this ridiculous law in 1891. And it's still on the books. Do you think quite possibly we might be making some ridiculous laws now? And then in, in, in the end, I'll talk to a local pastor and ask him, you know, was it Romans 13 and have a discussion about Romans 13. But the point of all this is, is that I saw Christians really struggle through COVID about where is the line? You know, it's pretty easy for me. Uh, the government can't tell me to stay in my house and they can't force me to take a medicine. Um, but, but n- there was nothing out there to address the, the Romans 13, the obey your government. The God put these leaders here for better or for worse in our, our, our outcome. Um, I mean, we have these evil leaders right now because God put them there because we have live in a wicked country. This is a horribly warmongering, corrupt country. I'm not talking about the people in the military, but I'm talking about the military industrial complex that has been continuously at war. And now they need this new war because they just ended a 20, another 20 year war that they failed 
And so, so you want to talk about demonic possession and the soft massaging of, of possessing people like what better place than children and, and, and war all over the world, you know? So I, I wanted to, to have a, a ridiculous way of getting into serious conversations. And so that's over at lore TV at L O O R dot TV, where you can help fund that show right now. And I hope to have at least the first episode funded, um, by the fall where I'm going to go out to, uh, Texas where it's illegal to hold a wrestling match if you don't have a permit but if that wrestling match is taking place inside the context of a theatrical production it's okay so uh, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go through wrestling school and get a costume and um, I'm going to go to have a wrestling match and break the law and hopefully have somebody from city council come and talk to us about it and then I'll, I'll just start breaking into Shakespeare and that'll make it legal. Uh, so yeah, Shakespeare so makes everything legal. As long as I don't take a pound of your flesh. Right, right, right. That could so, happen. You never so, know. That, so that's the first episode that um, we're trying to get funded over there. And, you know, on the topic of all of this, I know a lot of this I've talked about um, me and what I've done and, and things like that. And, and the one thing to, that I'd like to say about um, working in, in in film is that none of this has been accomplished on my own um this movie i just did um i had an amazing crew uh that worked so hard um the crew in movie industry are really unsung heroes there was people there who carried stuff who brought food who cooked food who who emptied an outhouse one day one day along with me um so it's really a team sport this you know i think the only thing that of it that i did alone was in the writing process and even that especially in screenwriting there's no such thing as writing there's only rewriting and you have to give it out to people to read and get feedback and then you have to write it i mean the script that we shot um that we finished up you know shooting uh, about 10 days ago i mean i rewrote that thing 16 times because I got feedback from people. And um, um, so, so I just wanted to not sound like I'm, you know, this is not me doing this. And also uh, quite frankly, I couldn't do this, pursue this if it weren't for the love and support of my wife and that my wife is so good at what she does and and her job. Um, So it's just, it's just not about me. Yeah. Yeah, as much as the hour I've been talking about me or whatever, whatever we've been talking. Sure, <laughs> sure. To clarify. No, you got a lot of great things in the queue, and you've got a very powerful testimony too. So it's great to hear your story. I was going to ask you on the breaking laws. Are you? Is the goal to go to all fifty states and just kind of show the dumb, nonsensical laws for each state, or is there just a certain select number you're aiming at? Well, I mean, if it's successful, I'd love to do all fifty states which can easily be done. Um, I have a podcast called breaking laws, the podcast, which um, I talk about people um, with laws. Um, it's just a series. It's not going to be an ongoing thing. It's just sort of a, a teaser to, to the show. Um, I've talked to some pastors on there. Um, I talked to a guy who um, served time in three different prisons in three different countries. And now he works as a guy who helps people prepare to go into prison and then helps people transition coming that's a loaded word these days transition but transition out of prison into into public life so yeah um but yeah i mean also in missouri if i don't know if you guys still have milk delivery 
but it's illegal for him to run with the milk. We we have milk delivery here. So as long as he's walking, he can't run. He can't run with the milk. Ah, hilarious. Well, if ever I I spot that on the road, I'm going to be like, hey, stop running. It's against the law. Right. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, You know, when it comes to breaking laws in the whole COVID era, we still, even though it's been three years, we still hearken to and talk about the COVID nonsense. And it is so interesting just how um, you had mentioned the church that you had first gone to, the BLM, how they sort of handled it and they didn't handle it right. And then we have, you know, COVID, how so many churches in the past just they really didn't handle it right. And I don't know. I, I you know, I'm my position is subjective. I don't have the overarching objective uh, lens on every single pastor on how they handled it and how they then came out to say, oh, you know, we really didn't handle this right. I have heard some stories where pastors have done that, but it seems like by and large that people are just trying to put things behind them. Uh, I saw an article from Christianity Today, which is really not Christian anymore, but they Mm. were basically essentially saying, you know, we need uh, just complete forgiveness on both sides. We need amnesty and we need to forget and move on and that's it. But they're not admitting what I don't find is a lot of pastors admitting, you know what, Jesus is Lord, not the CDC. So we made a mistake and we just want to rectify that with our congregation or with a letter or things of that nature. It really seems that people just kind of, you know, wash their hands of it. Some, you know, people, it's the pastors. That's yeah. That's what I'm saying. Christianity is our worst export to the world. Yeah. I mean, having spent, you know, I've been a, I've been a, a baptized Christian now for 12 years and I'm 57. So you can do the math on my prior sinful behavior to my saved sinful mind. Um, The problem with pastors today is that nobody wants to kill them like they used to in the old days. You know, (laughs) they're just like, well, you know, those nice Christians and I'm not talking about taking up swords, although that may be necessary someday. Um, but I think this was all a test run for Mm -hmm. something bigger 10, 20 years from now or less. Um, Yeah. I think climate change might be their next play or one of their next plays that they're going to push on us. Just that, Hey, you got to stay in your house this week because I mean, we're even, you know, if you have the weather app, you can go on there today. I think where you can see it, the air quality is really bad. Don't go outside. Try not to drive your car. I mean, I can see that saying in California, where Newsom's the governor, but I'm getting that here in Missouri where we have a, you know, we have a Republican governor. We're not that leftist. Well, at least, you know, St. Louis County is, but whatever. Well, Um, obviously Missouri, you know, but it's just, it's crazy to me. I think that that's one of their, I I think that potentially could be one of their plays is that lockdown was so good. Look at it. The environment it's cleansing itself, healing. I was reading articles a month or two into the shutdowns of 2020 and they were essentially saying, oh, this is so good for the environment. It's like, ah, they're going to they're going to circle back to this. Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting time uh, to be alive right now because we what we're witnessing is the downfall of an empire, the American empire. Um, one of the things, if even if you look at Rome, uh, gender fluidity was something that came in there before its fall. Um, so it's a really interesting time to see how people are really moving away from legacy media it really has no power anymore it's it's really them at cocktail parties talking to themselves about how great they are you know politics is 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 hollywood with ugly people 
um, physically <laughs> ugly. And Hollywood is beautiful people that are ugly. And not all of them. I don't want to paint broad brushes, but um, yeah, it's a it's a really really interesting time. There's a, but lots of big dynamic shifts. I think um, they've probably tagged um, who the compliant ones are and who the ones aren't. Um, I said this the other day uh, uh, to my well, not to my daughter, but we're at, we're at, we're at dinner. She was there and my wife. And, and I said, there are so many things that are coming into this world that I am so happy. I'll be long gone by the time they get here. And she, my daughter was like, you're dark, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, 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 I have a good life. I love my wife. I love my daughter. Um, but there is a part of me that, um, I know this will sound weird, but I look forward to dying um, because I think this is world is just such a grind, even at its best. Sometimes um, don't get me wrong. My life is full of joy. I try to live my life um, completely fearless and absurdly happy and constantly in trouble because if you're a Christian and you approach the world fearless and happy, you're going to be in trouble with the world because they don't like to see that especially when you when they say why are you like that and you go because jesus christ saved me yeah i mean for me to say that and mean it if somebody had told me that 20 years ago i would have kicked them in the groin and said you're out of your mind <laughs> you know which is another for me is that um all of those that the father gave me none shall i lose because mm -hmm. i i would not have chosen to come to god yeah, I was having a good time as a sinful secular person, or so I thought. Mm. But now that I have a Christian world perspective, and I'm inside the faith, and I look out and I go, "Holy smokes! I can't believe I was ever like I thought that way, or it, you know, or thought, ah, oh, abortion, what's the big deal? You know, you know. I mean, I understand secular people yeah. how they go, eh, whatever. Yeah, you know." you know i i mean i don't understand the stuff now they're like cutting up kids and giving them pills that because they've you know they play with a tonka truck instead of a barbie doll or whatever but sure sure do you have questions we know that you have questions you, know, you have you haven't you haven't been here i need to listen for to much. the interview <laughs> right well we've 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 gone through i think most of the best hits yeah you've he's, hit a lot of he's gone through the hits of topics i can tell yeah yeah no. Do you have any questions? Do you, do you have anything from earlier podcasts that you may have thought, yeah, hey, so I want to ask? If you Joseph covered this? this already without me, I apologize. But um, I know you talked a little bit while I was out of your faith journey. Was your wife like right there along with you? Does she was her background different? Was that hard for her as you're like searching for truth? Well, my my wife uh, was raised Catholic up to a certain I don't know, teenage year, year, I guess. It's funny because Catholics, um, I, I don't get it. I, I have friends that are Catholics that are amazing people. That's, that's between them and God and Jesus. How, the, the hierarchy of that system I've got some problems with, but um, <laughs> it's funny because my father-in-law um, was raised Catholic and, you know, he's 80 and, he, you know, he has, you know, the shaky hands and stuff. And from, from all my years as a Buddhist, we used to do this meditation um, about imagining your death 
and that you should think about your death every day because it's coming. And the purpose of that is so that you're not surprised when it gets here, whether it gets here by a bus that hits you or whether it gets here in your old age. And so when I, when I look at my, my father-in-law and he's got the shaky hands and the, what he doesn't ever think is that this is happening because I'm dying. He just thinks there's something wrong with my body, you know? And so when I get a, you know, a knee replacement that I had, or I have a, some, some cancer or skin removed it's because I'm dying, but people don't want to think about that. Now, now that I learned also in the Buddhist tradition. And when my wife and I first met, you know, I, w- I would go to, you know, I used to go, <laughs> I went to this Buddhist temple here. Now I studied with a, with a monk in Los Angeles for many years who literally walked out of Tibet because the Chinese wanted to kill him. And then I moved here near Boulder, Colorado. When I went to meet the monk at this one place, he was like a millionaire white tech guy with like little glasses and a bald head. And I was like, this guy's got nothing to teach me, but <laughs> name was so, <laughs> so, so uh, when I started getting, I don't want to, I don't, my wife is a very strong, very smart woman, but my wife lets me take the complete spiritual lead. Um, oh, b- briefly back to my, my, my father-in-law, I, I tried to approach him about like, you know, what's your prayer life like? And we, and he said to me, and I quote, it's actually in, I used this line in the movie, the healing garden. He said, I got baptized as a baby. Didn't that stick? I don't know. I said, I don't know. Mate, mate, I don't know. Like, you know, he got baptized as a baby, which, you know, lots of reformed people baptize babies. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess it's, I don't know. I didn't know what to tell him. I said, I don't know. But um, so, so my wife, my wife um, has just trusted me in, in sort of taking the lead on that. Um, it's funny because I told the story earlier about how we came to Christ through a big, um, what do they call it? Mega church. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and uh, after like nine weeks of going every Sunday and driving home and trying to disprove all this Jesus stuff. And, and, and I, dr- I look over to my wife and I go, honey, I think we're Christians. And she goes, so I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> we got baptized six months later. And so. Uh, awesome. So she was right there with you. Yeah. I mean, she's very involved in the church and, you know, her, her women's group. And I think it's really important for men, men to be in men's groups. And there's a couple of reasons for that is because um, uh, men have an incapacity to be honest in front of women. <laughs> about their feelings about what's really going on i learned that because when i got sober i went to aa for a long time which is a a a, which is a judeo-christian program if you ever read what's called the big book of aa it's a it's all about it's a judeo-christian program you just can't get around that i mean they try and they try and willy-nilly around the word god in it and stuff um but i had what's called a sponsor when i first got sober and um he said yeah you're a total liar. You need to stop going to meetings where there's women there. I was like, oh, okay. You know, and I was able to like, just be with around men. And I was able to get really, really honest and really, really open. Um, I just wasn't able to do that in front of women. And that's, that's not an original story. There's nothing original about me. I'm having a completely normal 
human existence and I just happen to work in movies. Um, but my wife does the same thing. You know, she has, you know, the ladies group at the church and, you know, they're and and that kind of stuff. And I think, I think those things are all important to, to yeah. get, get honest. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Joseph Granda. It's a pleasure to have you. So people can see the healing garden. They can watch that on Amazon prime. Last time. Yeah, checked. you can. Oh, uh, yeah. There's lots of places, but that's probably the easiest place to get it. Yep. And, um i've and got um <clears throat> i've got uh a movie that's coming out next month called the shape of shadows and with uh with tony merkel at the confessionals podcast um who as i said is a christian guy who who has on these he interviews witches and people who think they're warlocks but then he comes back to them with a christian like perspective of what's going on in their world he's actually there's some people that have come to Christ through his conversations. He wow. doesn't take any credit for it. He's not like that, but, um, and what this movie's about, it's called the shape of shadows. It's coming out next month. I produced it. We went and spent a week in the desert with the Ute tribe in, 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 um, Utah. And what we did is we camped on a bluff right above a place called skinwalker ranch. Mm-hmm. which is this place where all this creepy stuff has this really creepy history. And I kid you not, I stood there in broad daylight and you'll see it in the movie and with the cameraman, uh, cause we got there before it's four o'clock on, on a Sunday afternoon, it's 102 degrees and we filmed a UFO in broad daylight fly right in front of us. And I'm not a, I'm not a UFO guy. I tried to, I caught, I, I called an ornithologist to try and disprove it. I showed him. And, and so then we spent time with the, 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 the Indian tribe and we were out there that night and this thing comes back flying through the, and it's all lit up. And we're talking and we're, flying saucer. UFO it was stuff. a flying light thing. I don't, you know, I'm not going to anyways. And so we're all freaking out. And I turned to the chief and he goes, eh, those are the sky people. They know you're here. They're performing for you. And so, so just to wrap it up here really quick. So he took us to their petroglyphs, which is the rock carvings. And as we're driving out there, he said, so you would think that people that are going to take their time to climb up on a hill and carve into rocks, which wasn't easy, whatever many hundred of years ago would be about their harvests, their festivals, their celebrations. These petroglyphs were six finger giants with spaceships in the sky. And <laughs> then that night we go to their, their, um, their tribal land for dinner. And as the producer, I'm the guy who says no to things. Um, Cause the cameraman and Tony are Christians. The other two guys are iffy. I don't know that we're on the crew. Um, um, the chief says, uh, come, we're going to pray over the meal. And I stepped forward and I said, um, his name was get this. If I ever were to have another kid, this would be his name. This guy's name was Bo Standing Rock. Like, <laughs> is that like the great one of the greatest names? And I said, uh, I said, uh, Chief Standing Rock, like, I, I don't mean any disrespect, but we're here just to observe. And he turned over to me and he goes, we pray to the same Jesus that you do. And I was like, had no idea. And so they're Catholics. <laughs> because the Catholics got to them first. So they're 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 Catholics. He did the Lord's Prayer. 
<laughs> we ate with them. It was really amazing because then our whole conversation was about how they didn't feel that these are these are spiritual beings that come and show themselves to them. And and they still have their old traditions, but they no longer worship the creation. They worship the creator because their old heritage, they worship the land and the tree and the animal. And it was really, really fascinating. So, wow. you know, you can't write anybody off. God, God works it in there in a lot of different ways. Super so. interesting. But yeah, I really appreciate your time and, and, and having me on. Absolutely, Joseph. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great night. You too. Thank you for listening to the Love of Life podcast, Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. It is our duty through our schools to create a new one, a God-centered one. We are told in Proverbs 8, verses 35 and 36, For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death.